um, yeah, so Hugh's the founding director um, who's written the book and, you know, essentially he created the Resilience Project based on um, his story of meeting Stunzen, who's the young boy in India, um, up in the far north of India in a little place called Tixay, um, who he met and was just blown away with how much joy this boy was filled with. Um, and he had at the time his um, elder sister um, was suffering from um, some really severe mental health battles with um, anorexia nervosa in particular. So um, he, the Resilience Project is, I guess, um, founded on the, um, on the story of this young boy who seemingly had nothing, um, you know, no running water. Um, they slept on the floor, these young, um, these young people, um, but yet, you know, they were so happy and filled with joy um, in comparison to his sister at the time who, um, despite having a loving family and being given a great education and, you know, kind of everything she ever wanted, she found it really hard to be happy um, and, you know, as a result, suffered some serious mental health battles. So um, the principles of gratitude, empathy and mindfulness um, were born um, out of that. They're based on research, so it's all very thoroughly... Um, and scientifically um, backed, um, and I get you know, which is really important to know. It's they're not just they're plucked out of thin air, but um, but it's based on those two stories. And um, you know, I'm, unfortunately, a lot of people here in Australia do find it hard to be happy all the time. Um, and probably you could generalise that and say in Western society, there's a lot of people who find it hard to be happy, um, you know, all the time. And so, practicing gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness are really important skills. Um, Hugh says a lot, you know, he thinks that gratitude, empathy and mindfulness will be a part of our curriculum at school level, um, you know, in the next five to 10 years, which would be a wonderful thing. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the statistics, I don't know if you know them, um, Jerry, but they're, you know, it's, it's one in seven primary school kids um, at the moment, um, you know, so they, most most primary school classes have about 30 kids, um, you know, 25, 30 kids in them. So four kids um, under the age of sort of 12 in each classroom are suffering some sort of mental health illness, which is pretty devastating. And then it's much worse in um, secondary school. It's about one in four women or girls and one in five boys. So, um, and that's specifically in relation to anxiety. So there's, um, you know, there's a bit of a mental, and that's why they have a they had the mental health um, commission um, recently. And there's a, obviously a lot of government money being spent on you know what the next steps are for us as a society. Um, you know, to, to help our I guess to help our next generation be happier and more resilient. So, um, and, and we hope that the resilience project can play a part of that. Um, so um, yeah, Hugh, Hugh's the founder of that and the mastermind behind it, and he's a brilliant man. Like he's yeah. He's, he's the best public speaker I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, his, his ideas and his drive to help people is pretty amazing. Um, so um, you should come along to one of his public talks. Um, if you like the book and um, yeah, you like listening sure. to Dylan Friends, you'd love one of his podcasts. Uh, you'd love his public talks. And I think we've got one coming up in Melbourne. All things being equal and COVID doesn't ruin anything. We'll have one in Melbourne at some stage. Um, in the next few months um and beefy uh nick burke is uh yeah I, I know nick very well he came to my <laughs> wedding um he uh he's the he's still involved at melbourne uni cricket club so he's still our chief hydration officer <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> um and he still gives us pep talks um quite regularly 
Beefy's a mad Collingwood supporter, as you know, so oh, I go to the like footy him, with him. <laughs> yeah, correct. So I get to go to the footy with him every now and again. But uh, um, yeah, Beefy's. Yeah, you'll never meet anyone like him. He's um, he's yeah, the kindest, uh, most passionate sort of person you'll ever meet. Like you, <laughs> yeah, he, he, and he loves talking. Like his favourite thing to do is talk. I, we should get him on your podcast, actually, Jez, and you can interview him. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. He just loves talking, um, but he but he he doesn't waste his words too much either. He's 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 a deep thinker and he's got a very good view on the world and and how the world should be, um, and in particular how Collingwood should uh, pick their team every week. So um, yeah, he's Nick Burke's a legend. So he's an absolute legend, and I, I you know he's um, someone who's suffered um, you know some physical ill health over his time, um, but it's not deterred him at all. He gets back on his gets back on the bike so to speak and keeps powering along and contributing really positively to other people's lives so he's uh yeah he's a he's a great human being nick yeah it's really amazing yeah i'd have to get love to get him on the podcast and yeah check out his um amazing pep talks as well (laughs) just fits in my room but anyway um some tips that i would give are don't get don't don't get overwhelmed. Like homework and studying can be really overwhelming, and just like split it up into small parts that you know that you can get done, yeah. and just so tackle one bit at a time, and literally set out time where you have no choice but to do that specific thing. And if you like listening to music, because like I listen to yes. um instrumental jazz when I'm doing homework, because it helps me focus. And there's no lyrics as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand when people can listen to like rap and other things while doing homework it just it distracts you even when you think that you're not distracted like you're not putting all your focus so have like um maybe some people don't like music it's it's all right with you but just like split it up into little tasks that you can complete lists are amazing and there's um google keep that you can use on um like a devices yeah it's an it's like a chrome extension or something like that yeah i'll show you oh yeah yeah yeah. no i've seen it um and so it just helps you keep track of all your homework and stuff. But like, if you're one of those kids who strive like to get extra points, like try get your best report reports because yeah, you know I'm like yeah, yeah, all those little things. I feel like it's all the little things that add up to like make the best. That's like really yeah, analogy. if this is making any sense to anybody, but like it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so oh. extensions. Be careful with extensions. I know that some of my teachers are always saying that you have to be really careful with what you ask for. Make sure that you have all your work done before, like all the set out work from class and go through slides, like like write down your notes and everything, all that you need. Clear notes are important. Yeah. And so, and then afterwards, get your extensions to learn more about the topic. And if you're, if it's possible, try learn about the topic prior to the teacher, like explaining it in class. Like I'll give you an example for like in chemistry right now, we were doing um like, polarity and electronegativity (laughs) and like atoms and all that like watch a youtube video about it like even if it's a five minute youtube video at least you know the basics and so the teacher is like oh this kid like she's smart or he's smart like they know what they're doing already maybe i can like try extend their knowledge and then you have that extra credit from your teacher and they already think that you're a great student and like it's just like being your best at all times which sounds really difficult but if you've in the work at home and if you put yeah. in the work at school it really does it's not that hard honestly yeah for me i feel like i'm consistent like 
course, like everything is done yes. all the time, like similar to you, but probably like studying, like picking the right things to study about mm. to get me in the best um, position for the set. Yeah. You're probably a bit better at that, I reckon. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit behind with my work right now. Yeah. Exposing myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm, it's really, like having like a study planner is really hard to control with like what happens throughout the day. And so you just, you can't really set out like today I'm going to do math, tomorrow is English, like for every week. Yeah. Because it changes, it varies. Yeah. And so you just have to be flexible with yourself and know if you need to wake up early and put in that extra time for like short term gain, like short term loss, long term. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just need to like, sometimes it's just sacrifices. You need to remind yourself you're doing this now to benefit you later. And now we'll talk about the best running podcast in the world of the inside running <laughs> podcast um so basically what kickstarted like you move some um, and brad doing that and who does all the editing um yeah i do all the editing oh. i want to talk to you about i want to talk to you about that because um yeah, yeah. yeah so i yeah so originally i had my own podcast called tell me your tales which is pretty was pretty much like this so um but it was just, I'd talk to, I'm kind of like you do, talk to different people, not so much always runners. Sometimes I talk to just people that, I always used to say like people that just interest me or inspire me or um, people that like I get motivated by. So like sometimes it was runners, sometimes it was just, you know, like the local musician that I've kind of got to know over the years, this Aboriginal guy, Benny Walker, who I just always found that he was interesting and I just would invite him over to my house and we just talk for two hours and we'd have a couple of beers and um, we'd just record a podcast. And it's it's amazing how well you get to know people when you sit down and talk to them for two hours or 90 minutes or whatever it is because we're so in this world at the moment where we're always so busy and we've always got our phones in our hands and, like, you don't have time to have those deep conversations with people. Whereas if you say, hey, man, you've got to do this in two hours, we're going to talk about some deep stuff because otherwise it's going to be pretty awkward just, you know, looking at each other. So um, so I had this podcast called Tell Me Your Tales and Brad was a guest on that, I think maybe episode number seven. And Julian Moose, he was a guest on it, maybe not episode number four. And I didn't really know those guys too well, but I just thought, hey, they interest me. I'm going to call them on Skype, record it. They're going to be an episode of Tell Me Your Tales. Um, and we did that. And then then we were all doing the Berlin Marathon maybe like a year later. So we um, we started a bit of a spin-off podcast called The Road to the Berlin Marathon, which was still on Tell Me Your Tales. And we just got on there and spoke about our training every week and then we all went over, we did that for 10 weeks and we went over and raced the Berlin Marathon and um, Julian won, I come second. Brad got injured in a few, like a few weeks before the race, so he didn't didn't complete the race. And then when we came back, I just um, just sent the boys an email just saying like, hey, I think we can, we can actually start a running podcast. Like this doesn't have to be on my Tell Me Your Tales podcast. And, and um, I'd always listen to podcasts and, I really just wanted to make the show that I wish I could listen to. Like I wanted it to be like a reality component where people are talking about their own goals and running. I wanted it to have an interview. I wanted it to talk about like the new shoes that are out. I wanted it to talk about like Australian running results. Um, and yeah, that's what we did. We started inside running, um, what would be about 182 weeks ago now because we're in our 180 second yeah, right, yeah. episode which came out um yesterday morning so we haven't missed a week we've, we've come out every wednesday for all that time and um 
yeah, it's grown. It's, um, you know, we work with different brands and stuff now who sponsor different episodes and uh, we've got, we've, we've hit over a million downloads. Um, we're pretty big in different parts of the world. We've done a couple of live shows. So we might go to a running race and say to our listeners, hey, we're going to do an episode after the race. There's 150 tickets for sale and, and we'll sell those out really easy. Um, we've got merch, what I'm kind of wearing now, which kind of sells. And yeah, it's, um, and we've done a couple of like little side projects where we'll get different hosts to kind of do their own show, which will go on our Patreon page. And so it's become like a little... Like, I guess it was all just a passion project to start off with, but then it's got bigger that it had to become like a business and we had to, you know, trademark our name and register for our business address and got a website and like, you know, you got to manage the social media, which I know you'd know all about. Like it's, 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 it's big now. Like it, at the start, it was just like, hey, get on Skype, talk rubbish about running sure. for an hour and then send it off to iTunes. But now it's kind of like, yeah, between the three of us, it's we've got to have an accountant. Like it's just, yeah, it's bigger and bigger now and it's um, it's grown and it's a good thing though. Like I'm definitely not complaining because, you know, we get to talk about running. Oh, all right. Um, encounters of the running company. I guess it's just like when people don't really give you much. So like you ask them a question and they give you like one word answers. Uh, yeah, pretty frustrating. You sort of just have to work like, sort of have to work with them for like half an hour. So you expect to get a bit out of them um, just to help size them up and things. Um, and it's a bit annoying when people like just come in and they just don't want to go through the fitting process. They just want to shoot, want to get a shoe and just walk out. So that, that can be pretty annoying. Um, yeah, I haven't really had many like bad encounters there yet as I've only been there for like six months or so. Um, yeah. And at the K- KFC, oh, I have had so many. Um, <laughs> I could tell that, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so people complaining about not enough salt, chicken salt. Oh, that's bullshit, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they come on, and one time I just took the lid off the um, off the salt shaker and I've just, like, poured a whole heap on the, on the chips, like, absolutely saturated in them. And the guy brings them back and he's, like nah, not enough, not enough again. What? When there's literally like a whole pile on the on the chips. Like, oh my god! Shocking. They just they just can't get enough. Do is to say that these arms were made for holding you up. When we were eighteen. Enough of me doing can't love yourself. Section, Jerry. Yeah, I know oh, we yeah, can't, mate. We can't. Ah, oh, give us Wonderwall, mate. You know, you know me. I love Wonderwall. All right. Um, I had a pick somewhere. Um, I'm just gonna prepare my performance. Mate, so souls like on. the oh, Tom can cover Wonderwall. I reckon Tom's. Oh, do you know the lyrics, Tom? Oh uh, no! I don't know the words for the whole song though. That's the problem. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna, gonna the song. I gotta actually probably learn it. All right, are you ready? Uh, I'm not gonna cover this, but yeah, he's so everyone. Come on, Tom! Come on, mate! No, no, I'm, I'm making my own song. I'm getting my performance ready. Two days gonna be the day when I go back to you. 
By now, you should have somehow realized you gotta do. Believe that anybody feels the way about you now. And all the right. Well, I think middle distance is probably more variable than distance. Like I think with distance running, it's like, you know, people put in their big, big session, uh, big long runs, you know, maybe two sessions a week or three, you know, kind of a threshold run and some interval reps. Uh, I think you look at middle distance and look at middle distance in Australia and you have, you know, the dichotomy of like Luke Matthews, high volume training to Peter Boll. And they're both (laughs) middle distance runners. And one is running maybe a hundred kilometers a week more than the other. Uh, but they're both meeting very similarly uh, on race day when they're both in great shape. So I probably sit somewhere in the middle. I'll probably clock 80 to 90 kilometers a week. Uh, yeah. I typically do a, I do a Sunday long run of 90 minutes. Uh, on a Tuesday, I would do sort of, interval longer reps you know no, nothing unique or novel at all your, your k reps or your fartlek uh i particularly love k reps it's kind of you know three minutes of running with a one minute standing break that's just like the perfect yeah, same, same uh, physiological the perfect that. physiological system for my training yeah don't give me any jog or float recoveries please yeah i'm done uh, after that i get dropped <laughs> exactly and then you know maybe I, I actually to be honest like to do two workouts a week and maybe a faster jog or just two workouts a week uh, and a long run. But come in winter, that's kind of pretty consistent, nothing very exciting. And I, to be honest, like that. I like to have kind of low-key periods of the year. Uh, in the past, yeah. when I have been overseas, you often forgo a winter season because you're racing. So, you know, you're jumping on the track trying to get qualifiers or run fast in Australia, you then travel overseas and you're trying to run all the time in races that you can get into, and then you come home, have a break, and it's suddenly it's September, and the next season is starting again. So what I've particularly liked about this year is I've just been home locked down, and I'm just churning out 80 to 90 kilometers a week, two sessions, a long run. Uh, I'm not going out on weekends because I'm not able to, so you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm resting well, I'm eating well, I'm sleeping well, and I'm just training a kind of pretty lower intensity uh, but then it comes to track season and, and the weeks are entirely different. Um, you know, I could be doing a session that is an 800 meters at 1500 meter race pace with like a five minute break and then a couple of 200s. So today I did a session that was seven kilometers in duration, not including mm-hmm. the warm up and cool down. And then in track season, I might do a session that's two to one to three kilometers in distance. Uh, whereas you don't typically see your distance runners jumping on the track and kind of going balls out falling on the ground at the end uh yeah. training that energy energy system but then that's where it becomes so variable with middle distance running because some some of the best middle distance runners don't really jump in and do that kind of speed endurance training as you'd call it um you know they're just so fit and aerobically fit and then they kind of get that speed through racing often you know they'll jump on the mm-hmm. track and as much during the season as they can and that's where where they really get that stimulus of working really hard and essentially running really fast for you know as long as you can which is a couple of minutes but i normally do quite a lot uh of that kind of speed endurance stuff put on some spikes um and i guess it's just about getting comfortable at running fast and i have a lot in the past i've had a tendency of getting niggles through you know my shin my lower back uh potentially i don't have a great uh running stride when i'm running fast under fatigue 
So, you know, I, when it comes to the start of track season, I have to really be, you know, conscious of getting my spikes on one day a week to get, you know, get that calf loading and get that Achilles loading, uh, you know, do some faster strides around the bend to get that, you know, that, you know, sort of left side bias that comes with running around the bend uh, and just sort of introduce that stimulus that is specific to middle distance running that, you know, it doesn't really perhaps matter as much to distance running. And then also I think, and this is, you know, depends entirely on the person, but yeah. potentially with middle distance runners, you need to do a bit more in the gym and sort of power production and speed production. Um, I know my good friend, Lyndon Hall, she does a lot in the gym and a lot of that kind of Olympic lifting uh, work to really build power. Whereas for me, uh, I found that in the past that really just kind of blew my energy and I was really sore for jumping on the track. And I think I'm quite a slender person. My speed my natural speed definitely doesn't come through muscle bulk it, I'm just kind of like stiff and very elastic so mm-hmm. I you know take a real kind of step back when it comes to gym and I do a lot more of you know banded stuff um, body weighted stuff focus on my kind of uh, limitations potentially rather than focusing on like speed production in the gym which some middle distance runners do as well so <laughs> to answer your question <laughs> for me it's really on a surface level you know, I rest, I rest on a Monday. I do a intervals on a Tuesday, a jog on a Wednesday, a lighter tempo-y session on a Thursday. I either rest or jog on a Friday. Um, I do, you know, in summer season, I'll do quite a specific track workout on a Saturday and then a long run on a Sunday. So my week still looks very similar to most runners in australia (laughs) um i'm just kind of that i'm i'm that middle hybrid i i do long like i do 90 minutes to 100 minute long runs but i also do quite specific fast track sessions so maybe i'm dipping my toes in a bit of everything um you give it another go and so well that's the thing you know we 2017 now uh which is my final year so it's you know it's do or die you and and, and i did oh exactly so i remember i think leading up to it I, i did a few training sessions just by myself like going down to the local club just rolling some balls because um you know it's something that um yeah you just got to keep honing your skills um and so yeah i uh, i think i managed to get rod laver maybe in the second round um which was you know promising because you know if i'm getting it early on i might you know i might you know yeah i might be in with a bit of a chance of you know showing that i'm i'm uh, of a, a good enough quality to, to get a final. Uh, and I think, I'm pretty sure I got Roger Federer again uh, in the second round, yeah, playing, I think, uh, Noah Rubin of the US. Um, dispatched of him. Uh, can't remember. Oh, I think I had Goff versus Team. Oh, wait, no, no. I've, I've actually, I've, no, I've forgotten. I made Rod Laver a second time that year. Um, I think it was the fourth round. That was when Goff played Team. Oh, you? Oh, really? Oh. Maybe, I don't know. You might have seen me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't, I can't remember all the matches um, that I did, um, but definitely getting two Rod Lavers in a, in a, in a, in a year is something that uh, I guess is... Yeah, Roger, Roger twice um, is something that I guess is, is notable that you um, would say is, you know, you're in for a chance of making a final. Uh, I mean, in fact, um, yeah, leading up to... Leading up to the the final few days of the tournament, they start um, putting together um, like quality ball kid squads because normal like regularly they just they just chuck 
roughly whoever in. Obviously, it's it's ability, but um, towards the final days, they put the absolute best ball kids together um, just so they can get used to working together because they're going to be working a final, so they want it to be a, a, you know, a, a premium product for the players. Um, and, yeah, I remember you know, walking in one day and, and seeing that I was a part of um, you know, that, you know, the, that best um, team. And so the the crazy thing is part, about being part of that best team is you get so so throughout you you get one supervisor that will watch the court and grade all six ball kids uh, on the court at once. Um, when you're in that um, you know, top team, you get one supervisor per ball kid, and so you'll have just one person that will be watching everything you do for that entire day, grading, making sure you're you're really who they want to be in the in the finals. Um, and so that also goes for picking who they want to be the best ball kid for that year. Because um, the best ball kid gets a trip to France um, and gets to be a ball kid at the French Open. Um, and so, yeah, I came, came to the, the ball kid party and um, I was based on that, I was, I was fairly confident I was going to get a final. I wasn't sure which, which final. Um, but I was um, lucky enough when they, they, they called my name to be uh, in the top squad for the men's final. Um, so it, it, it's funny you mentioned the Roger Federer in 2017 because I was a, a ball kid for that match. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> we've got bombshells blowing up over here. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll talk you through that day because um, I mean it is. I mean I was speechless at that time. Um, yeah, going through a day. I remember. Yeah, the night before I just I couldn't sleep as you'd imagine. I. Woke up, went out for, for breakfast with my mum and um, just try to, I guess, keep my mind off it. Um, got in there. Um, normally, you don't you don't warm up or anything before you go out in court, but because um, it was such a special occasion, um, they actually got us to warm up on Rod Laver before the match started. Um, so they had, obviously, all the, the lights going off and the crowd starting to, to come in. and Because uh, it's a night match, so, you know, it's great atmosphere and all that. And... Um, yeah, when it went back and because I was part of the top squad for the men's final, I, um, I got to start the match off. Um, so, you know, I got to be there when, you know, Federer walked out and, and Nadal walked out. Um, I was uh, I was a part, I was one of the baseline kids. So I um, was at the back where, you know, the towers are. So, um, yeah, throughout, throughout the match, I think it was in the third set. Um, I was quite prominent on TV. Um, I was giving um, both Nadal and Federer their towels, you know, various times. Uh, especially in Nadal, he, he he gets very sweaty. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, like you, like his oh, his towel. Uh, I mean, I don't, I couldn't remember how like how often he would change it or anything. But um, like Federer, when you get his towel, you you get like little patches of sweat. And it's not disgusting, but Nadal, but yeah. Nadal, it's like you put it in water. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's kind of disgusting. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen because of Corona. I don't know if that's ever going to go back to the case. But um, yeah, that was uh, yeah probably one of my most memorable experiences of my entire life of um, being a part of that. Especially because being Federer and Nadal, such an iconic um, duo. Well. Yeah, I was I was there in the in the background. Um, and in fact, when Federer, so he got his trophy, um, then uh, he does his speech and all that, and then when he comes down, he then gets a picture with, like, all the photographers, and the ball kids come in um, as, as a nice little thing to, 
I don't know, background or whatever. Um, I was a part of those 12 ball kids that were standing next to him while he had the trophy. Um, uh, I think he, I can't remember, he, he, he said something to us or something, but uh, I actually, I've got a, a bit of an iconic photo of um, when he was asking some questions to us. Um, there was a, a cameraman that took a photo of when he was looking at me. Uh, and so I've, I think I might have that hanging up or something at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, what an experience that was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just want to, I just want to preface it. It's funny that um, this, this has brought up because it was only, only today that, um, yeah, I was talking to Jerry and saying...